1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. Joining us today, we have Karthik Sada, who's the founder and CEO at 7Square Learning. So how are we doing today, Karthik?
0: I'm doing good, Shraddha. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Looking forward to this conversation.
1: Great. It's really good to have you here. So uh, before we jump into, you know, our discussion for the day, it would be great if we can just set up a base for our listeners. So, you know, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what exactly is it that you do and your career journey till now, it'll be great. All
0: right. So that's always a tough question because I'm, I'm never sure where to begin, but I guess I'll begin from, you know, how I think. So since I was a kid, I was always curious about the universe and how it works. And I guess that curiosity is what has driven me throughout my career, throughout my major life journey. When I was 17, I went to the United States for studying neuroscience, but eventually I switched to physics and math. The idea was that I wanted to learn a little bit about how the human mind works and why we think the way we do. But then later on, I realized that if I actually want to learn more about the universe, physics and math actually might have better answers than neuroscience. And it's funny that I actually wanted to be a scientist for almost 12 to 14 years of my life, like since I was six or seven, up until I was 20. I really wanted to be a scientist. but later on I realized that I'm actually more oriented towards seeing uh, immediate results like I don't have the kind of patience that a lot of these brilliant scientists at my university had so I decided by the last two months I decided that I actually want to switch to entrepreneurship and that's how I jumped into entrepreneurship so I would, just attend regular, I would just like jump into random classes which were about entrepreneurship while I was actually getting a physics degree. In 2019 I actually graduated from Iowa State University with a bachelor's of science in mathematics and physics and later on, I joined this startup called Streamland Learning, which was based in Baltimore, in Maryland. And after joining that startup, best part about that was I was working right under the CEO, Ian Siegel. And I actually got to learn so much from him because he had, he was just as impulsive and he is, you know, just as ambitious. You know, he was like the perfect role model for me to be joining an edtech startup. So I learned quite a bit from him. And after spending enough time in the edtech sector, I decided to come back to India after the pandemic and I started my own startup that was called Sati Global Education Network. Basically, what we did in that startup was uh, we connected schools around the world with each other for collaborating on various international projects amongst their students as well as their teachers. But then after the pandemic hit, we kind of had a financial crunch Our operations got really hectic because we had more than 150 schools at our peak from 12 different countries, and we were hosting various events between these schools. So eventually, my health was giving up, and it was also the pandemic, so the financial challenges, and we unfortunately had to close the operations after that. So after that, I took a break, sort of realigned myself, and then after that, I once again started working my startup which was which is the startup called Seven Square Learning. And right now we are building a platform for students in the United States where they can basically what we do is we train the tutors in India and we connect them with students in the United States. And we are building a very high-tech platform for conducting these tutoring, for conducting this tutoring. So that's where we are at right now. That's where my career is at right now. So that's how sort of my it's like a brief summary of my entire journey In the last six to eight years, I think.
1: Oh, I mean, that sounds really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. All right. So, of course, Kartik, you've been around, you know, working for quite some time now. So, what what essential aspects of it have changed when, you know, you first started until now?
0: So, when I started working, I'm not going to lie, I had rosy eyes, you know. (laughs) Uh, so I had this huge filter that was covering my vision which did not allow me to analyze a situation or a business idea critically I remember when I was I think 16 that's when I had my first startup idea and it was really just about color changing walls it was just a very stupid idea but I was so excited about it that I actually formed a team in first year of college and uh, then I started working on it and then six months down the line I realized that this is so stupid like There's like, there's no point in doing this. And then there are many more ideas like this that I came up with actually started working on it. But what I realized is that that impulsiveness and that sort of like inexperienced mind was open to so much imagination that I had this uh, filter that would not allow me to critically analyze my ideas and instead it would make me emotionally attached to them I think that has fundamentally changed about my work because now when I'm working on a project I'm sort of the opposite the first thing that comes to my mind is you know what could be wrong about this and I'm starting to critically analyzing things a lot more quickly. Also, I have always relied on my gut feeling more than the data because I personally believe that we aren't at the point yet in human technology where data can surpass human intuition. So when it comes to business decisions. It's great to rely on data, but when it comes to final decision making, I think as a startup owner what has really improved in me as compared to 5 years before is that today when I take business decisions, I use data a lot, but I sort of combine it with my intuition. And and I think that has changed quite a bit because previously it was just intuition and you know more emotion and today it's not as much of that. So that I think has changed and I think one more thing that has changed fundamentally is my confidence as a decision maker. I think previously I would hesitate a little and I would not really have a differentiation between good and bad ideas. But now fundamentally, you know, this is a big change that has happened in me. And the credit for this change honestly just goes to the decisiveness that building a startup requires. Like if you're a startup founder, you have to be decisive. You have to make certain decisions in life, which, which have to be hardcore. And I have done that so many times at this point that now I think you know, it, it just comes naturally to me. So, yeah.
1: Nice. Fair enough. I totally agree. And also, I don't think any decision, like any idea is a bad idea is what we uh-huh. actually are.
0: Yeah. It's true. I mean, the execution at the end of the day matters a lot. You can really make any bad idea look extremely good by good marketing, to be exactly. honest. Exactly. Completely so, agreed. Yeah.
1: All right. So um, what do you think of the future of work? You know, what would it look like in the light of pandemic and uh, how workplace interactions have changed over the past couple of years? Like Just your thoughts on that.
0: I think when it comes to work dynamics, the obvious biggest change that has happened is that we are using technology a lot more today. If you just look at India, we didn't really have digital payments as much as we have today with UPI, with QR codes, you know, going everywhere. We did not have virtual uh, schools. We did not have virtual meetings. So technology has obviously drastically improved in the last two years thanks to the pandemic but i think fundamentally what really has changed is the way people have been approaching their lifestyle and i think that is gonna have huge changes on the workplace dynamics as well because today like we're talking a lot about work-life balance we're talking a lot about you know how to balance you know operations when it's when you're working online versus when you're working offline Project management has, you know, has taken a very important picture in any company. So I think these changes have really taken shape in the last two two to three years. And when it comes to the future of work, I think what's really going to happen is companies are going to be focusing a lot more on saving on operations as much as they can. They're going to be focusing a lot more on automation. Because if they, what they have realized now is that having brick and mortar offices is not required as much. And similarly, having a bunch of operations which would happen physically are also not that compulsory. And that transfer of, I think, that, that analogy is what a lot of leaders are realizing. And wherever we can cut costs through automation, unfortunately, that is also leading to a lot of jobs being laid off. But I think it's also opening new sectors across different markets, whether it's supply chain or whether it's, you know, management of an office, human resources, wherever you think about it, you know, technology has kind of changed that altogether. The uh, the approach has changed altogether. So whether it comes to small businesses who are now using QR codes to automate their business, to automate their scanning of products or inventory to big businesses who are automating their supply chain management or even their offices I think this that has changed dynamically across all different workplaces around the world.
1: makes sense yeah. true. and of course, like necessity is the mother of all inventions. I mean, who would have thought that we'll be you know having like all these online meetings and all of those things right?
0: exactly and even in, even in the entertainment industry, if you think about like how many people used to listen to podcasts five years ago, right? And today I'm sure that we have a lot more audience for you know different podcasts and different movies and TV shows. So, just everything is kind of changed since then.
1: That's true. I totally agree. Okay. So, I, I mean, you're moving to the next question that I might have for you. So how, how can companies inspire their employees to, you know, think outside of their current role, mm-hmm. their current position, department, and say their current industry as well?
0: So I think current industry is a bit tough, but when it comes to current role or department, I think incentivization is a big factor for any company to encourage employees because, What I've seen so far when I compare the American workforce to the Indian workforce is that in India today, we have this huge problem of addressing employee mentality where people are so used to taking orders from their seniors, whether it's in college, whether it's in school, we are just so used to taking orders that we sometimes, you know, have a very hard time to think independently. And I've personally faced a lot of issues with this as well. Whenever, Whenever I'm hiring talent, I don't like to micromanage at all. And I like to give people independent projects, that they can work on with their own ideas and with their own innovation. But if I'm being completely honest, a lot of people are just not comfortable doing this. They want, they want to be spoon-fed. And I think the best way to encourage employees to think beyond their current role or current department is to first actually introduce them to certain Soft skills enhancements, like critical thinking. What exactly is critical thinking? If you, if you go beyond coding amongst engineers, or if you go beyond marketing analytics for marketers, or just beyond writing for content writers, there are certain soft skills like critically analyzing a problem, or how to avoid you know, biases whenever you're approaching any kind of data. Right? So things like these need to be taught to so them that, so that they can analyze what's in front of them. And that will kind of open up their mind to a lot of different opportunities. And this can all really come through incentivizations because I think personally, upskilling is not the job of an employee. Upskilling should be the job of a company because if you have a certain employee in your company, then you need to be able to make sure that they are increasing their capacities as they're working with you so that they are growing with your company. And I think part of this responsibility that comes with the company, you know, that they can invest in resources, which incentivize upskilling amongst employees. And as this upskilling happens amongst employees, they can come up with new ideas. Group sessions are, uh, are a big factor, improving the company culture so that it's promoting new ideas, it's open discussions and not close-ended questions. That's a big factor. And I think leaders in the in any industry whatsoever need to realize that the more horizontal a company becomes the more ideas will pop up which will lead to more innovation and more appreciation among the employees i also think that appreciation incentivization and appreciation go together because if you have a system that is automatically incentivizing the employees it will also successfully make sure that they are feeling appreciated for their work for their ideas even if Even if they might not be revolutionary, but even if it's little things like maybe change of a color somewhere that can increase revenue uh, from a digital platform, simple things like that, and making sure that your employees know that they're having an impact in this, in the process. That's how you can, uh, that's how any workplace I think can make their employees think beyond whatever work or role that they're currently working on. But one word that you mentioned in this question was also industry. I think that's a little tough because when when an employee is working with the company, there's, there's kind of limited to that particular industry. And there are very few companies that have the pivoting capacity that, you know, that would focus beyond one particular sector or one particular industry. So when it comes to that, I think that's more of a responsibility of the individual itself, right? If the individual wants or has a desire of switching an industry, then they of course need to spend those resources on finding that niche that they are actually more interested in. So, yeah.
1: Wow, that was great. I think that was something that, uh, you know, like I think our listeners would definitely want to note and especially what you spoke about upskilling. probably not everybody thinks in the same lines. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and to that I would really in fact love to know your thought as to you know how exactly you think the companies can foster a culture of you know lifelong mm-hmm. learning uh, to both draw as well as retain talents I think I would love to in fact our listeners would love to hear your thoughts about it
0: definitely so I've always been a big fan of ESOPs and you know sharing basically giving shareholding capacity to employees especially early stage employees in any startup or any company and I think a lot of companies are actually realizing that, but majority of businesses still do not have good incentives for their employees to uh, feel a part of this company. So I think one easiest way for any startup, uh, any small scale company that is uh, you know, between 10 to 50 employees, they can offer generous packages to their employees where if they are loyal to the company, then they also get shares in the company as the company grows so that they should always feel part of a project that they are doing. Another thing that I feel is not focused as much on in anywhere, honestly, like even if I look look at a LinkedIn post, everyone keeps talking about execution. Everyone keeps talking about how the leaders have to sort of, of, you know, lead the way or show their employees how work is done and, you know, lead by example and so on. Mm -hmm. Very few people really give a lot of value to the ideas that are generated. And I feel like that's like ideas are kind of like undervalued today. Everyone says that ideas have no value ideas. Everyone can come up with an idea and so on. But I feel like ideas are very easy way of making someone feel appreciated. If somebody has an idea, even if you're not really implementing it, or even if you're not uh, executing it, make sure that the person knows that their idea is valued. And a lot of times people focus so much on just, you know, getting good ideas that they scare their employees to just not come up with uh, new ideas and new innovations because they are afraid of just letting it out in front of their boss, for example, right? I don't even agree with this concept of boss. To be honest, I think that's another thing that could be part of a company culture, that the more horizontal we go, even an intern should have the same confidence as a manager to go to their CEO and say that, hey, you know what, I have this thing in my mind that if we can implement, I think the company can grow. And this culture of continuous discussion and brainstorming is what I think companies can do to retain talent. Because I remember this episode of Silicon Valley, and I think anyone who has seen that show will really relate to this. There's this CEO, Richard Hendricks, who is terrible at uh, public speaking. Like he literally vomits in front of fifty employees because he cannot handle the pressure of giving a speech. And then everyone starts to sort of despise him because you know nobody nobody wants a leader who cannot even talk, right? But Richard is an extremely good coder. So what he does is he takes the challenge. And when nobody was supporting him, he starts to just code and he codes all night and all day. And he finishes work of an entire team of 10 people within just one day. That would have otherwise taken an entire team, one entire week. And when people see this work, they're inspired by the revolutionary idea that he was working on, which I don't want to spoil the show, but he was basically working on a revolutionary idea. And it was just an idea that really inspired, you know, the employees to take charge again. And I think that's the power of an idea that uh, companies and leaders could also be using that give employees the opportunity to come up with, come up with raw ideas and uh, give them a little bit of freedom and let them feel appreciated. And if they have the raw talent in them, then they will be attracted to work for you rather than working for a company that is you know, suppressing that idea, suppres- suppressing that talent in them or that innovative thinking in them.
1: I totally agree. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, in fact, that makes a lot of sense. And today, I think everybody is focusing on this employee culture and then all of these yeah. things are like really important, especially with a great resignation, I believe. Definitely. Okay. All right. So, uh, I mean, you know, uh, like which leading which technology trends uh, do you believe will gain traction quickly, you know, as businesses adjust the changing workplace? Mm-hmm.
0: I really like this question because I have very strong opinions about the future. I like to make predictions a lot. And I, you know, I have huge interest in augmented and virtual reality because I feel like even though metaverse is not being accepted that well right now, but I feel like there will be some player in this industry that's going to make the entire VR and AR world a massive, massive Marketplace, Whether it's for businesses or whether it's for individuals, I think that's one thing that's going to change the entire world altogether. And no matter what industry, whether it's the entertainment industry, whether it's uh, B2B, whether it's B2C, whether you want to buy a product or whether you want to sell a product, virtual reality is going to change everything. The things that they need to address are... You know, things that can be addressed in the next five to 10 years, uh, whether it's the duration or the comfort level of uh, of a gadget or whether it's the animations or whether it's the comfort level of, you know, people in general. The other thing that I think is going to be revolutionizing the world is supply chain optimization, because... One thing we have realized is that the middlemen are kind of hassle for a lot of businesses, and I think a lot of companies are already coming up with in various sectors where they are connecting the the retailer directly with the supplier, and the middleman is kind of cutting out. And I think it's kind of unfortunate for a lot of people. In fact, majority of the India Indian population is is basically a middleman. I come from Marwari family. I know that a lot of people in my families also act like these middlemen merchants. Yeah. But I think with technology, in the next five to ten years, the supply chain is going to be so massively optimized that. And along with that, you know, infrastructural development of, of the country. I know that the government is focusing a lot on developing the infrastructure. Uh, kudos to gutkari Mr. gutkari And along with that, just the focus on digitization of the currency. All of these things are really just going to be factors which are going to take the unorganized sector, which forms the majority of the country today, to more organized supply chain mechanics uh, in the next five to ten years. So I think that's going to be another uh, technology that's going to catch up very quickly. Uh, Apart from that tokenization, as the world becomes more digital, we would require significantly improved cybersecurity. And when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, tokenization is really the future. So I think tokenization, whether it's cryptocurrency, whether it's NFTs, or whether it's just simple encryption techniques in smart cars and smartphones and, you know, in in any kind of devices, in electric vehicles, anywhere you go tokenization, even for certifications, for colleges, for degrees, for job, you know, certificates, anything is going to require anything that's digital is going to require some sort of certification. That's where tokenization comes into play. But to really carry out all of these things, you do require a lot of energy. And the energy, and which is why I think the fourth major change that's going to happen in the next few years uh, is going to be alternative sources of energy. And we desperately need one right now, um, especially with what's going on in the world globally. Uh, We are in desperate need for alternative fuel. I think that's something that that industry is going to, nuclear energy is really one thing that's immediately available, but people are still scared of that. So there are like a lot of changes that I can see happening in the energy sector as well. So I think all of these things combined together is gonna sort of just, you know, we we are at that inflection point right now. I feel like we are living in a very, very interesting world because we are like our growth as human civilization is kind of linear right now. And we are at that point where If we do the things in the right manner as a society, we can switch the rate of change of this progress to a very high level. Like we can sort of switch the curve and we are at that point, the pivoting point where we can make this curve go much, much higher today with all the technological inventions that we're going to be doing. So I think like we are living in a very, very exciting time. And if we can really pull pull all of these things together, then I'm really excited about the future.
1: I totally agree with you all right so I think uh, unfortunately we are at the end of the podcast and uh, I had like a really really interesting and insightful conversation and like I said I think there are a lot of things that our listeners can also you know take out from this great so thank you so much Karthik thank you so much for being a part of the shape of work podcast also if if anybody wants to reach out to you would LinkedIn be the best platform
0: LinkedIn LinkedIn works perfect yep just send me a connection request and that works for me
1: perfect great thank you so much awesome thank you so much
0: for inviting me Uh, I had a great
1: time.